Are you the good guy or the bad guy? A simple question with a complicated answer. Looking inward and reflecting on what makes us who we are is what this podcast is all about. However, today's film discussion, the 2019 indie hit The Peanut Butter Falcon, reminds us to not only look at ourselves, but to take in what we see in others as well. However, to understand this movie better, we need to follow this river back to its source. Back sometime around 2011, writer-directors Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz were just two aspiring filmmakers living in L.A., toiling away much like the rest. However, one fateful day, Nilsson and Schwartz were working at an acting camp for people with disabilities in Venice, California. And it was there that they met Zach Gottsinger, an aspiring actor and person with Down syndrome. Zach hit it off with Nilsson and Schwartz and told them of his Hollywood dreams and all the adversity he had faced. He'd been acting his whole life, but felt his condition made it difficult for folks to cast him. Scott Sagan asked Nilsson and Swartz if they wanted to make their own film with him. The two directors fell in love with Zach and his story, so they agreed. The duo wrote and shot a proof-of-concept short film with Scott Sagan for $20,000, which ended up getting them full funding for the entire feature. In 2017, a full six years after meeting Gott Sagan, principal photography on the film began in Georgia. And in March of 2019, the Peter Butter Falcon received its world premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival, where it was then acquired by Roadside Attraction for distribution. The film finally was released in theaters in August of 2019. This film, eight years in the making, performed well financially, grossing over $23 million worldwide on a $6 million budget, making it the highest grossing independent film of 2019. This sleeper hit also received good critical success, winning a handful of festival awards, with many praising the film's heartwarming story, as well as the lovely performances of Shia LaBeouf and newcomer Zach Gottsagan. So today, we're jumping in the ring, and we're not tapping out until we've asked and answered the question, The Peanut Butter Falcon, what's it about? I'm Ricardo Blade Diaz. I'm Seth Crow. I'm Megan Branham. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where we try to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up for ourselves, and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. And today, we are joined by a very special guest. Seth, why don't you do the honors? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry, we're we're very close over here. We're sharing a screen. Uh, we're sharing a mic. So um, welcome uh, to a good friend of mine, uh, uh, a amazing artist and muralist. And she's an absolutely not funny. She wants everyone to know she's not funny. Uh, <laughs> Rachel Degman, everybody. Give it up for Rachel. Hi. Hi, Hi Rachel. I need to correct... Seth Crow. Yeah. yeah. Say your Correct name wrong? Well, he, I don't, it doesn't really bother me because it's my son's last name. Oh. But that ain't my last name, Seth. What, how do I have that in my phone? Why do I have that in my phone? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what's on the Google and on the world. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, who are you? My last name is, <laughs> my, hi. Hello. My name is Rachel. Lagrone. Yeah, I would ne- did not know that. Yes, it's French. Okay. Hi, Rachel. Rachel Way to make. I love that you've you've embarrassed Seth like within three minutes of us getting started. It makes you me fit, so happy. You fit right in. You fit right in. Well, nothing makes me happier than when Seth is embarrassed. <laughs> I also like it. I had this like it's very weird funny. moment. It's ironic because I had this weird moment of like as I in- was going to introduce her that I would for- forget Rachel's name all of a sudden. And so that's why I like. 
I was like, wait, <laughs> am I gonna remember remember her last name? And then and then I I still I still fuck it up. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I forgive you. Yeah. Aw, that's sweet. The more you know. Oh my gosh. The more you know. <laughs> All right. How has everybody's week been? How has everybody's week been since the last we saw you? Really you good? good. Oh, you have never seen me before, but mine was. Well, good. how's your week been, Rachel? Oh yeah. Sorry guys, I didn't mean to take over there. Uh, my no, week it. has been fucking incredible because I've Whoa. just been watching Silo, and I got my face pierced. Nice. Oh, that's new. Oh, then yeah. that's new. Yeah, you like it? Awesome. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't even know what it's doing. It looks like you've been rocking it your whole life. And uh, that's all. Go ahead. For those of you listening out there, uh, Rachel has a nose ring. Septum so to be precise. Septum, thank you. So yes, not like not in the nostril, in the in the middle, like a like a like a, the bull rings that you guys. Yeah, see. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So awesome. <laughs> pull them along. You could just pull them Jesus. along. Jesus. <laughs> It's like uh, <laughs> what kind of reminds me. Have you guys have you guys seen the, the any videos on social media with that little like bar game where it's like the rings and the hooks and you like throw the yeah. little yeah. like, string and the tr- yeah it's like Hing! you're trying to hook something onto the nose ring. Put it on my yeah. face <laughs> and then yank it. <laughs> We've already gone off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> Megan, <laughs> this is week. exactly what it should be like. <laughs> Megan, how's uh, your week been? It's been okay. It's been um, busy but fun. And I turned in this article that I had been working on forever. So I felt good. And I went dancing. And last night I went to Erica Badu, which was so good. Uh, and then today I'm getting my – she was here. She was at Bridgestone Oh, you live in night. Nashville, Megan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was at Soho last night too. She must have come oh, really? right after. Yeah. Right after. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was really – I think she went on at like 9.15 or something. Um, so it was a little later. Uh, but it was so great. And then today yeah, I'm getting a tattoo. You're getting a tattoo today? Wait, you're getting a tattoo today? I am, yeah. What's it going to be? It's uh, it's actually um, a Nora Ephron tattoo, who is my favorite – well, one of my favorite writers. So it's a reference to the movie that we've done on here, Sleepless in Seattle. It's going to be like an apple. Um, mm. I will post pictures on Instagram that will be there. I will not people shut up gonna, about it for days. People, you give me people are going to think you're just a Google. fan of, of Apple. <laughs> do you, do you give well, me no, permission? it's got like a – it's not just an Apple, you know? Do you, get, do you give me permission to do Goodwill hunting quotes about your tattoo? How do you like I them apples? I do not. <laughs> I, you do not have my permission for that, so you can't Ma- do it. Okay. Megan, Megan, I have a question for you. If you <laughs> – I'll close the computer. <laughs> I have what? a question for you. Okay. Do you like apples? Oh my god! I have to go. Um, <laughs> they texted me, and the appointment is right now. So uh, sorry. Oh well, it's nice to have you, man. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> I'm passing the the torch. Okay, <laughs> Rachel, great. Seth, how's your week been? Um, it has been. Let's do this. This feels more healthy, right? Seth, Seth, if it helps you, you're in the editing process. You're always the loudest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's just because your mic's usually probably turned up a little bit more. Yeah. But, so you're you know, saying I should, I should, I'm I saying can chill out. You'll, I don't have to worry I'm so much. I'm saying you'll be fine. Yeah, okay. we can hear you fine. Um, uh, my week, I'm, I'm in the process. So I had to 
pay for my car, um, mm. which was a thousand dollars that I I did not want to spend. But I'm gonna go trade it in. We're gonna get rid of old 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 Bessie Blue and get a get a newer car uh so that's kind of been what's on my plate i rehearsed my hour yesterday um which of stand up yeah um which it's it's like almost there i have like six weeks before the show's mm -hmm. up and I, I i had an epiphany yesterday which may sound like little to everyone else but the structure of this show is a comedic scale I've written. And I've realized I've been doing it slightly out of order this entire time. Mm. And so like I've rearranged the structure slightly and it's like, I think more mathematically sound now, which is actually causing it to like slide into place better, which is cool. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things that when I start talking about, it, I just keep talking about. It, so I should just stop talking about. It. But um, it's, you know, maybe uh, uh, we should because uh, the show goes up in September. Maybe we should uh, record it audioly so that we can release it on the podcast. Oh, that would be like cool. a special episode yeah. for people. We are we are going to record it. We're going to film it. We're going to. Um, I'm hiring a buddy who is just good at anything he sets his mind to. He's not like a filmmaker or anything but like he can just he like built a bar in his basement he's just kind of like an engineer brain um so he, i'm gonna hire him to do the the filming we're doing like a three camera shoot and then we'll we'll record the audio separate so i think that's very possible um Hell yeah so for those of you out there listening who are like we've been talking about this special with seth for a while now and if it was like well, i want to be able to hear it well, we'll see if we can get it to you. That might be a possibility. That'd be something really, really cool. And the poster is finally done. All right. Which I'm super stoked about. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Mm -hmm. Looks, Looks good. Great. Yeah. So uh, it's like me in a constellation of stars, which if you get the joke, you get the the reference so yeah i'm stoked mm -hmm. so that's what's going on with me what's going on oh, yeah. yeah awesome i've had an all right week um the the biggest thing of note that happened to me this week i went down to the picket line uh for the strikes um uh, for those of you who maybe aren't following along i mean some people don't but um there are some strikes here in uh la the writers guild and the actors guild are striking currently um and so around a bunch of the big studios down here in L.A., there's these picket lines. Um, and even though I'm technically not in the union, I am SAG-E, which means I'm SAG-eligible. So I could join the union, except it's like $3,000 to do that. It's really expensive. You're, you're um, eligible to strike. <laughs> well, anybody's eligible to strike. And if you're even if you're a non-union actor, non-union writer, you want the unions to succeed. You want them to have power because you're hoping to join them one day. And you want to be able to join and have those benefits. Uh, so, uh, I'm supporting, uh, I'm standing with my, my fellow actors and writers and I went down to the picket line, uh, and, uh, was there for about a couple hours, uh, at Paramount, just going, just walking back and forth, back and forth. Uh, the guy from new girl was in my line. Which one? Jake Johnson? Schmidt, Schmidt from Damn. new girl was in my line. Yeah. He's also uh, great. Uh, 
Yeah, he's great. And it was just funny to hear, see, like, at, like every five seconds, I was like, we were like crossing each other because he was like, we were kind of like on opposite sides of like the little like O circle that we were making. And so I'd, I'd like pass him like every like two seconds. Um, Did you make and it? Make a new uh, role reference every time? No, no, I was, I would have been mortified to do I was going to say, I think he would love that. <laughs> I don't know. He was, he, you know, <laughs> the thing, like, you know, there's a few handful Maybe of not. like writers, big writers and celebrities that are like on those lines throughout, like in different studios and stuff like that. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like they, they're down there and they probably don't want to be talked to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. so I was like, I'll just leave him alone. But it was kind of funny because, like, I was not at the main gate. I was at one of, like, the weird side gates, and he just happened to be there. And they, like, there's something about weird. this that evokes strange emotions in me. And I don't know why, but it, it really does. Like, like, he's coming down to be with the people and strike with the people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it just feels very, like... I had a very similar conversation like this with my sister recently. It was like, and this is actually a sentiment I think a lot of people are giving. Now that the actors are striking too, I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, these celebrities just want more money," type thing. And like, it's like like ridiculous in that way. And it's like, well, like not like ninety percent of the people in SAG aren't like celebrities like that. You know what I mean? Most people are like people like me because, like I said, I'm SAG eligible. So, I, if I had the money to join the union this year, I would have I would be on strike right now officially. You know what I mean? So, like, like people like me are people like ninety percent of the SAG people who can't who have day jobs who, if they just were like just acting for their life, they would not be able to make their rent. Like that's most a majority of who's in the union. So, like these celebrities, while yes, like they don't, it doesn't affect them quite as much. Not really at all, honestly, because they get treated much better. But like, yeah, them lending their their influence to help out ninety percent of the other actors in the in the industry is, I think, cool. But yet, I think you're right. There is like a uh, a moral grandstanding, a perform like a performative aspect to it. Like, look at me, yeah. I'm. But it's I'm it's amazing how that's guy. like it's amazing how like that's transitive to like even like. I have friends who are in SAG in like North Carolina mm-hmm. who have worked like twice in six years, you know, and like they are as performative. <laughs> they are they are out there, you know, like mm-hmm. letting everybody know. And like that's great. Like I like I said, I I mean I agree and see what they're doing, but at the same time it's kind of funny to me. It's like there's something about it that's like very performative. It's, it's performance art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, the TSA security show. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not really, not necessarily doing much, but but the fact that <laughs> if you see it happening makes you think that it's effective. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I went down to the picket line for a handful of hours yesterday, and that was really interesting uh, and cool. I definitely probably, I mean, depending on how long the strike goes, I'll probably do, be doing some more of that. Um, but Yeah. I mean, again, I hope the strike doesn't go on that long. I mean, you should hear some of the horrible things that these CEOs and people are, you know, billionaires, executives are saying horrible stuff. Like one really? one anonymous one said in deadline, he's like, but this was before the actors joined. This was just the writers. He's like, we'll just wait them out until the point where they're losing their homes and their children are starving to death. We'll just wait. Wow. That's all like, like, the, horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Awful, awful. Like, my, they're my monsters. Favorite, 
my favorite thing I've heard this week since this has started is, yes, but can AI play zip zap zop? That's the that's the that's the best bit. So I think you could play it better. <laughs> but but like I don't know, it's so tough. I, I mean, I've been my my family. I I mean, you know, I've had a whole bunch of people reaching out once the SAG once the actors got involved. A bunch of family have reached out and be like, so what does that mean? And like, what what's going on with all this? Like when the writer, when it was just the writers, nobody. It seemed like like very few people cared all that much, which is which is sad, but it's true. And now that all the celebrities are are involved, it's much different. You know what I mean? You know what's interesting so, to think about? I was thinking about this last night. I wonder if there's going to be like a period of time because of like these strikes that like alternative media and individually produced media yeah is going to be well, like more likely absolutely. to be absolutely so like um actors and stuff like that and writers can do right now they can do anything non-union so commercials they can do internet stuff like new media stuff so nothing that's sag eligible basically nothing that's sag affiliated um but they can do other things and they can do truly independent film if they want to so like they could honestly if some of these big celebrities wanted to they could produce their own film as long as it's not attached to a studio they can do whatever they want you know just can't be with any of these studios um and in the last writer strike back in 2008 that's when the boom of like reality tv happened because there was no scripted television being made and so studios turned to doing reality unscripted television reality tv and that's when the reality tv boom happened so, what kind of I mean, psycho would would do that? Yeah, who would do who that? Who would participate in reality? Oh, so many, <laughs> trash. So many. Um, uh, but, uh, it's Ra- gonna Rachel, happen again. Rachel, They're- Rachel, and I both have been on reality television. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, what? We, I know what Seth's been on. What have you been on, Rachel? I was on a show on CMT for two years called Music City. Okay. Like, when was it? By, when did it air? Um, I don't know. Eleven and twelve, or no way after that i had a kid so 16 and 17 or 17 okay so that so so you guys weren't weren't a part of the problem you just took advantage of (laughs) the of the aftermath yes it was the it's the creator of laguna hills that guy Uh, okay that's fun though it was really fun i'm not knocking like reality tv stuff it's just like that was the industry's response to not having writers was oh yeah oh we'll just make shows that don't have writers um and it's, oh and you it's can reality. knock you can knock it i have no i'm not <laughs> i don't feel protective of it we got but. two scabs on this on this channel i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah megan don't tell me you're a scab too no i'm never i nothing against it but now i don't have any reality tv credits good me neither i'm a real actor <laughs> I used to really 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 want to be on the real world when i was a teenager oh megan Oh, it looked no. fun. It looked fun. Oh no! Oh, uh, <laughs> I just got a text from Sarah uh, telling me that Chat GPT can, in fact, plays it zaps up. I was so. gonna say, I'm sure it can. <laughs> she just did. She just test it. I love that. I, I guess she's like, let uh, me see, <laughs> and it goes zap. It's like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the uh, what's the the point of. Uh, What's it called? The the awakening or the point of 
uh, singularity. Singularity is 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 it responding to Sipsapsop? It's become is officially aware. Oh, great. Oh God. You know what? Well, while we have the autonomy to do so and the freedom to do so, let's talk about our movie of the day, our topic of discussion, the Peanut Butter Falcon, which. Rachel, you brought to us today. Why did you bring us the Peanut Butter Falcon? What was it that you wanted to um, – that motivated you to bring this one to us uh, today? Well, it's definitely in my top five. I I am um, a bit of a movie buff myself. Mm-hmm. I love movies. And also streaming TV. Anytime someone's like, have you seen? I'm like, yeah, I've seen it. It's a little embarrassing mm-hmm. actually that I, like, I've seen everything. But when I watched Peanut Butter Falcon, I specifically just remember having this moment of like, oh, this is the best movie I've seen in like at least five years. It's going in the top five immediately. I just was obsessed and I hadn't heard of it. So I think that adds a layer of like, what the hell is this? Like, what did I just stumble upon? Um, I'm not like an indie film girl. I don't. Same with music. I'm just your sucker. I just go for like the pop culture (laughs) stuff. So I didn't, I just hadn't heard of it, but, um, I saw it probably in 2019 and I just, it hit me hard and I loved it. And I, I didn't know why, cause I don't tend to walk away from films and evaluate them. But when you guys asked me to participate in this, I was like, oh yeah, peanut butter Falcon. But then I had to think about why the hell do I like that movie so much? Um, so I rewatched it the other night and I actually wrote some notes down, but I had a oh. revelation that it was it's so Shia LaBeouf has always reminded me of my older brother like they're the Mm -hmm. same person in mannerism in appearance like even I you know you think you know actors you don't really but Mm -hmm. I think maybe they probably have like a similar life view and Mm -hmm. um, I'm just a big fan of Shia's and when I watched it in 2019 um, I was like, oh, yeah, he reminds me of my brother. Well, my brother died like five months ago. Sorry to bring it I'm down. So but yeah. So when I rewatched it the other night, I, of course, just like cried the whole movie. But then I realized like every note that I took, I was like, OK, Jordan, that's my brother's name, like Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. Mm. So I'm thinking when I watched it originally, probably that was the draw because my I was really, really close with my brother and mm. he was one of my heroes and like my idol. And I think that's probably why I'm so drawn to Shia LaBeouf. Cause every time I watch him, I feel really like at home and I feel nostalgic and I feel like safe and happy and good. So I think that's why. Awesome. First, first and foremost, very sorry for your loss of your brother. Um, I'm really close with my sister, um, older sister. And uh, yeah, it would be devastating to, yeah, to thank lose you. my sibling. So mm-hmm. I totally understand that. And, and exactly what you said is like what we want to do on the show is like watch a movie and you like it and you like, but why? Like what determines what we like and what we don't like and why we, why certain things affect us and certain things don't. Mm-hmm. And that like self-reflection and self-evaluation is like what we made the show to be. That's what it's um, about. That's what it's about. And so <laughs> it's great that, that you brought one that's so personal to you Um and we'll definitely we'll get into more of your notes uh, a little bit later. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on and, and bringing something very personal because I know that's very vulnerable and can be very mm-hmm. scary. So thank you so much for doing that. For sure. Um, uh, I saw this movie also um, right when it right right around when it came out. 
um, and was immediately charmed by it. It's a very endearing, heartwarming movie. It's very sweet. It has such a, such good intentions. And it was one of my favorite movies of that year. Um, but I totally get what you're saying that like it, it didn't do itself any, a, a whole lot of favors as far as like getting eyes on it. Like mm. it's already kind of niche in its storyline. Um, it's taking place in kind of like the like Southeast and like Virginia and North Carolina, which is like not really an area that's super like flashy. It's kind of an area that a lot, not a lot of people know a lot about. So like the setting wasn't super, I think super like exciting to people. And then it's called the peanut butter Falcon, which seems like not a, such a, such a title out of nowhere. So it's like a nonsensical title, a non sequitur in some ways, unless you've seen the movie. Um, but if, without any context, you're like, what is, what is that? I, that sounds weird and ridiculous, and I don't think I want to watch it. So it makes sense that like a lot of people probably have not seen it. I also am a big film buff. I see everything I, you know, from the big blockbuster stuff to as many of the indie stuff as I can. I just will watch everything. Um, so I was lucky enough to see this movie years and years ago, and, and that also it being a movie that I – really really love so I'm, i was so glad when i heard that you we were watching peter Butter falcon because i had not watched it in a couple of years i was like okay cool let me return to something that i know i already already love so oh, good um yeah uh Megan, what about you had you seen peanut butter falcon before uh before uh bringing it onto the show yeah kind of a similar thing um i watched it i think when it first maybe i rented it I don't remember um but it was around the time it came out when it was streaming at first and i watched it when i was what year did this come out? You know, you said 2019. It. 2019. So I was living at home. It's like the year after college. I was living at home. So I watched it with my mom um, mm-hmm. one afternoon. And it was just a really, we both thought it was, like you were saying, really charming. And I hadn't really revisited. I don't think I'd seen it at all in between like then and now. But it was still something about the landscape of it is very comforting to to watch or even like keep on in the background there's something about that even though they're not anywhere near florida um but not till the end not till the (laughs) end um but yeah just that kind of like swampy redneck vibe that Mm -hmm. makes me feel um in in the most i mean that in the most loving way uh it reminds me of home (laughs) Mm -hmm. awesome what about you, Seth? Had you seen Peter Butter Falcon before this? I had not. Uh, I was in LA when it came out, and it was like top of my list of like movies I wanted to see, and I just never made it to the theater. Um, like you were there with me, I think at the time, and like we were, we would go see movies all the time, and I was like, I want to go oh, see. Yeah. Like I remember like actively wanting to go see this film, and I, I guess we went and saw Ready Player One or something like that instead. Um, <laughs> but like. Uh, I've, I've always wanted to watch this movie, so it was cool to get a chance to. Um, and yeah, it's it's just like, it reminds me of like a, a modern retelling of Huckleberry Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, like just like its own, uh, a new, a new, t- new version of Huck, Huck Finn, uh, which is, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, did you like it? I did. I very much liked it. There's, there's like, it, I think it's shot really beautifully. Um, I think it, uh, like what the film is trying to do, it does do well. The only thing that I is like weird about it is some of the dialogue is a little like 
clunky, but mm-hmm. it's it's but it's also true. I don't know how to explain that. Like it's like mm-hmm. it's like if my cousins who are like these people wrote this movie. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I get what you're saying. Like like there are moments where I think you know, as a writer, something I notice is like sometimes the movie puts its messages like very upfront where I think maybe some more like crafty screenwriters might try and like be a little bit more subtle with things and try and like highlight it in different ways. Sometimes this thing just like kind of just puts it out there for you in a very clear statement. And as far as screenwriting goes, that's not always what you want to do. But I think, like you said, in this context of this film, it does feel natural to the characters and to their setting. It, that these characters would talk in this way. Um, but I get what you're saying. And strangely, strangely, like all the scenes with uh, Zach and Tyler, I think the dialogue was great. Like I like, mm-hmm. like all of that dialogue is fine. Um, I, and that's all I wanted to watch. Like, I didn't really care mm-hmm. about anything else. I just wanted to see Zach and Tyler interact. Like, but like, then he goes to the, to the store and like the mm-hmm. whole and the whole exchange between him and Eleanor, I'm just like, ooh, <laughs> like, like, like it's a little like too much. I mean, maybe it's pretty it, cringy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like maybe this guy would actually do that, and she would not kill him on the spot. Oh, I totally believed it. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I did like too. That's happened to me before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But would would you be charmed by him? Yeah, I was just gonna ask this. It yeah, it depends. Okay, okay. Well, it depends on what. Like, like, go for it. I want to hear it because I'm curious Uh, too. I don't know. I think it's because he's fucking handsome. Let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah, but also he's dirty. He's a dirty homeless man. But in like a hot way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe just this sounds so stupid. I'm not saying that anybody should uh, if you're alone in a um, rural gas station uh, go along with any man with lots of guns and a handle of liquor. Like, probably don't do that. But in the context of this movie, which feels so warm and safe and like they're taking care of you, it was, I believed it for her. Well, I think we also believe that like she lives in that area. Maybe she grew up in that area she's used to this type of behavior. So then when you use your, as a female, you're always, every time you go out in fucking public, you're having to use your instinct and your intuition. Like, am I safe? Is this person safe? Is this a good environment? So if she used it and she thought like, okay, he's, he's, he's annoying and like hitting on me hardcore, but I'm not getting the sense that I'm unsafe. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of threatening. Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he's not threatening. She does. He's just, he's just an arsonist. <laughs> well, there is the bad boy thing. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, we love a bad boy. We love a bad boy here on the What's It About Film podcast. And the other thing here is like to to your point, uh, Rachel and Megan. She seems very comfortable in this environment. She yeah. puts herself in some precarious situations, like with with uh, blind Jasper. <laughs> you know, he invites. He's like, "Is you God fearing?" <laughs> Sometimes. Well, yeah. then come on in, and she goes. She goes in his house. Like that could be potentially a dangerous situation, but she seems very comfortable. You know, it's so 
I don't know. Like you said, she's using her best judgment. Obviously, Jasper's not like a bad dude. We as we've seen earlier, so we feel safe. But like you know, from a an objective outside perspective, it's like that's a dangerous situation you're putting yourself in. But it seems like you feel confident. So uh, Eleanor's okay. characters. Eleanor's character is the one thing I probably have the most qualms with okay. in in the in the movie. But like, okay, what's going what's going to that? Why? Why? Yeah, why? Just why? Just, is it because she's a woman? No, no, it's like I feel like it's not an accurate. <laughs> like I, I just I just don't buy her. Like I just don't buy her. Like uh, going along with this farce in, in, in a lot of ways. Um. And, and, I don't know, like, for me, <laughs> Eleanor, you know, she she got married young, and then her her husband died, and then so she picked this like really safe <clears throat> and sad profession. I don't know if she picked, she was that before that, but like that's she settled into this very safe and profession where she's like literally helping people die, and then she then she's has this. You know, young person with Down syndrome thrust upon her, and she takes taking care of him very, very seriously, almost like a, a child, in a way. I think she is a her natural personality. I think is she wants she's a fun and adventurous person. Someone who's going to get mm-hmm. married like that young and like and like live that like a life like that and move around with with her husband. I don't know. I feel like she was probably before that. She was probably a very alive person. And then this yeah. tragedy that happened to her made her retreat. I think she wants to be more fun than she is. That's what the impression like, I get. And also, I think that plays into why she does like allow Tyler to like kind of spit game a little bit. She kind of like thinks it's kind yeah. of fun. It's a little bit. It's a little bit dangerous, but like in a pretty safe environment. But like, I think I think she deep down, even though she's like kind of the fuddy duddy of the group, she wants to have fun. She does. I think she's just yeah. scared. No, oh, I think also her job probably puts her in a place where she's very aware of the uh, the value of life all the time. So, and maybe she doesn't get to lean into that as much as she would like to. So when an opportunity well, comes up to both do the right thing and do good by her friend and live a little, I think it totally Maybe not the value of it. life though. Maybe not the value of life. Cause I think, I think she, Sometimes I think she's too focused on the quality of the end of your life, mm. like keeping somebody safe so that they can live a long life, mm. you know, and and be comfortable at the end because she doesn't want Tyler to live his life. Right. She like she's like I just gotta keep you safe so you don't die, mm. um, and it's like that's not living. That's not a good mm. quality of life, right? right? I think she's for because of her her trauma, she's forgotten that so, like you need to live first. Can and I then make, worry about the end. Can know? I make a meta context observation here about this, her character, about her, the, the actress? Dakota Johnson? Yeah. So okay. this, this annoys me. Maybe it's wrong for it to annoy me. But like the first thing we see Dakota Johnson do is give this like demure wink. Like, hey, like I was in Fifty Shades of Grey, remember? And she like winks. <laughs> She winks at, at Zach, but like it's it's like I don't know, like all well, the entire the first thing we do is we see Bruce Dern spitting game at her and she's yeah, like, Yeah, yes, yes. 
like 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 every, the only thing that society knows this actress for is her SM films from the past. And so the first thing that we see her do is some sort of like sexually evocative thing. I just, I, it annoyed. There's something about that that's like, it's like, hey, remember who I am? Let's, we'll give you a little taste of that Fifty Shades of Grey before we get started. Like, it's like I didn't even notice. That. It's like I didn't either. I, I, I don't know. Like, maybe you didn't notice, but it was like immediately I was like, oh, they have to remind us who she is. They have to remind us that Dakota Johnson is the, the Fifty Shades of Grey person. Well, I guess. I just um it's like whenever it's like if when when Robin Williams is in like a uh, a super serious movie like Goodwill Hunting but he has to have like one moment where he's like unhinged you know to remind us hey this is Robin Williams and he can do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's different cuz that's not her like persona. She was just in those movies. Like Robin Williams want, like that was his thing and he owned that. I think that she wouldn't love probably having that be her whole shtick, you know? I think there's a difference there between him being like, no, I should do this. It's fun. I agree that it, she, I, I don't know what she wants, but I wouldn't want that. And so that's why it annoyed me. Well, it's a role, not like a, you know. That, that's that. That's why it, it annoyed me because it was like so immediately like. Maybe those movies were just on your mindset. Because honestly, when I think of Dakota Johnson, I think of her famous mom. So. Well, and dad. okay, and but, dad. But to be more like, to I didn't know who she was, mm. and Sarah was like, "Oh, that's the girl from Fifty Shades of Grey," and then immediately the, the movie starts, and she's like, "Wink, wink." I'm, I'm like, like it's like, seems like really? this is this is on Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I had to this make that comment. Like to me. It's neither here nor there, but it did affect my viewing experience as at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Um, so, for us, I think we I think we need to really start off at like the the heart of this story, which is Zach. Right? Is Zach's our is our view into this world? And uh, for anybody out there who has not seen the movie. Needs a quick refresher on like what it what the plot is. Um, it's basically about uh, Zach, a young man uh, who has Down syndrome, escapes from a nursing home to go on a uh, adventure with redneck Tyler uh, in his pursuit to be a professional wrestler. Um, so that's it's kind of like a road trip movie in a way down the bayou of uh virginia and north carolina um so this movie for again for some more context it mirrors the actor zach uh godsagan's uh pursuit of like and the different things he faced went as his pursuit pursuit of being an actor so some of the similar um kind of responses that he's gotten, some of the similar ways people treat him kind of made their way into this movie. And one of the ones that really got me, really got me angry was the one where uh, Tyler and Zach separate. Cause Zach, Tyler's like, well, you know what? I, I got you to where people are. Now you can figure out whatever you're going to do. And he leaves him at the dock with that kid. 
and he comes back and the kids got Zach up at the top of this like tower. It's like trying to force him to jump in. And Tyler's like, he can't swim. The kid's like, I don't give a shit. I'm like, fuck that kid. <laughs> fuck and that he's kid. Calling, he's calling him a retard. And yeah. Zach's saying, like, Zach's saying, I can't swim. I can't swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it pissed me off so much. Made me so mad at this kid. And like, I work with kids on a daily basis. So I have a lot of patience for children. But like, Shia LaBeouf punches this kid in the face. I know. <laughs> just straight up punches a child. And like, I'm like, usually that's never okay. But I was like, this kid, this kid w- okay. was ready to murder a, spe- a, a handicapped person. <clears throat> uh, like a person with a, with a disorder. He was like, I don't care if this guy drowns. What the fuck? Like that yeah, made me so mad. Yeah. So mad. What did you guys feel in that? Like feel like in that scene? Like, did you feel like a sense of poetic justice that this kid gets punched in the face? Or are you guys like, oh, ugh, I don't know about that. What do you What do you guys think? No, I think it was fine that he got punched in the face. Yeah, it was funny. I felt good about that. Yeah, <laughs> he deserved it. Yeah. What about later when he when uh when uh Dunk and and uh Rattail see the kid and they see he's got like a shiner and they're like where'd you get that and the kid doesn't narc he doesn't he doesn't tattle mm. what do you guys think about that I missed that did he I missed yeah. that too yeah yeah so uh when uh Dunk and Rattail are like trying to track down Tyler they they see this group of kids and they're asking him if they've seen this guy and when he like Rattail comes up to the student and sees the little kid and sees that he's got like a shiner he holds his face and goes where'd you get that. Who gave you that? And the kid d- just doesn't say. He's probably scared. Maybe. Of, of Shia LaBeouf, of Tyler. We're all scared of Shia, Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. We're I all can't scared call of Shia Tyler. LaBeouf. It's too hard. Do you guys know who Rat Tail is? Do you know who Rat Tail is? Mm-mm. Who's Rat Tail? I mean, I know the I know the character, but yeah, who is he? The actor. He's Yellow Wolf. Do you know who that is? He's a really good rapper, and he's know. from the sticks, like deep, deep in like the Appalachian, like redneck sticks. Huh. His interesting. His music is really good. Yeah. Huh. I have to check it out. I yeah. I was going to say when you were asking about um, him when he got pushed in the water, I remember when he pulls him, when Tyler pulls Zach out of the water, he says that Zach can continue on the rest of the journey with him. And I don't remember, Zach's like really appreciative or something. And Tyler says, I ain't doing no charity shit. It's just on my way. And th- throughout the whole movie, that's the theme is Tyler basically saying things that sound harsh and mean, but they are actually like the biggest compliments. And he is trying to encourage and build Zach up. Like Mm -hmm. you're not a charity case. It's on my way. And then there's another scene where he says, I think they're, I don't remember where they are, but Zach says straight up, like, I'm scared to swim. I think that's what it is. I'm scared to swim. I And he specifically says, I am Down syndrome. Because my mom taught special ed for 35 years. So I was around a lot of it. And she taught me, like, 
you know, how to speak about it and how to speak to people that have certain different disorders and syndromes and things like that. So it was interesting that he said, I am Down syndrome because they usually nowadays try to say like, I'm a person with Down syndrome or whatever, differentiate. Mm -hmm. But again, we're in the sticks. It's redneck culture. It's like, it's believable that he would have been taught like, I am Down syndrome. And Tyler just says, I really don't give a fuck. And it's so beautiful because it's like, sure, at first glance, it sounds mean, but it's it's the opposite. He's like, I don't care. Like, you can do anything. And then when Eleanor, they're on the raft and Eleanor is trying to, like, give him a snack and give him. And I'm a single mom and I, I just could relate so well when she's mm. like, your blood sugar is going to drop. You need a granola bar. You need this. You need that. It's a natural instinct for us to do that as nurturers and caregivers. Mm. And then Tyler's like, hey, hey, Zach, see if you can catch a fish. And Zach sticks his head underwater. And then he's like, why are you doing that? And Eleanor's like, what? And he's like, why are you calling him a retard? And she's like, I would never, I I would never use that word. Like, and he's like, well, that's what you're doing when you're telling a grown man, he's 22 years old, like he knows how to feed himself or something like that. Mm -hmm. And... I just love that philosophy in general in life. And yeah, just he's trying to teach Zach that he's not a victim and it's not, he's not a victim to his, to his syndrome. Like he has, he has autonomy and he has power and it's really beautiful. And, and, and to mirror that, uh, Rachel, there's another moment where he says something very similar where he says like, I, I am a down syndrome. I am a down syndrome. Uh, is the scene where him and Tyler are having this little like bonfire camp out on the beach and he does like his like evil laugh because he's trying to practice being a villain and Tyler's like why you're you're not a villain like you're like he's like you're a like you're a good guy through and through like it's and he's like I can't and Tyler says something along the lines like I can't be a hero because I am a I am a down syndrome Uh, and and Tyler's like who said who said that to you like whoever made you think that you're not a you're not a good person just because, just because you have Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, he's talking about like a, co- a coach. He's like, that's a that's a shitty coach. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like you're that's like to your point, Rachel. Like people probably told him he can't how much he can't do, and you know, it made him feel like he can't be the good guy. He can't be this hero. He can't be anything other than mm-hmm. a nuisance, other than something that people that holds people back um makes things harder on others needs to be taken care of um mm-hmm. you know and like, like what's great is that tyler is like so much of like no absolutely not like you're only you're only holding people back if you're not pushing yourself forward right like it's like you're not gonna what's rule number one party, party? <laughs> no <laughs> rule number one is don't slow me down <laughs> What's rule number one? <laughs> You're the boss. I'm adopting. I am adopting. Rule number the one. Party. Yeah. I'm, 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 Later he says, "What's rule number one?" And he goes, and they, "Party." Yeah. And they both say, "Party." Yeah. And I love. I actually that. wrote down. I wrote down exactly the part by the bonfire. He says, "You got." He says, "You got a good guy heart. You are a hero. You're strong, Zach. Fuck your coach." Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, and you're right. A, it is such clunky a great dialogue, scene. I guess, but it's just so. The whole movie is so direct 
and uplifting and mm-hmm. raw like that. And I, I don't know, but I'm guessing there's a lot of, there has to be a lot of improvisation in there because of Zach. And yeah, I, there's so many, I think scenes. that's why those scenes are good. It like the scenes with Zach are better because they're, I think more improvised and the handshake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the hand they do the handshake all the time, and I'm like, that's improvised. Like, there's no way they. Yeah, um, and and I also what I also agree with like in those scenes where it's just like Tyler and Zach, and where things maybe need to be more direct. I think that makes sense though for for someone who would be talking to to Zach. You know, like, it'd be like, look, I can't speak in, you know, veiled language. I can't try and like be subtle about it. Like, I need to tell you very directly. Like, that's wrong. You're wrong. Like you are, you got a good guy heart. Like people that, and try and help him unlearn all this like internalized negativity about himself mm-hmm. that he has. Like Zach wants to be this wrestler because he wants to feel powerful and strong, and he wants people to to love him the way that they and root for him the way they do these these professional wrestlers, right? Because mm-hmm. um, he doesn't have a family. He doesn't have anybody that champions him. Like, he has people that care about him and care for him, but nobody that, like, roots for him, roots for his power, right? Mm-hmm. And so to have Tyler come in and be like, like, you know, fuck that, dude. Fuck all the shit that anybody's ever said to you about what you can and can't do and who you who you are. You define who you are, mm-hmm. which is such a beautiful part of this movie. And him, like, and I think that's why <clears throat> the name of the movie, Peanut Butter Falcon, becomes so important because it's like this, like, almost like a coming of age type thing where it's like he's becoming this like ascended version of himself he's like he's he's being caged almost like a cage bird and then he's able to find his way and grow into his full power as the peanut butter falcon like this Mm -hmm. really great obviously strong person Mm-hmm. Like and I love at make... the end that he does the atomic th- that he does the actual atomic throw at the end. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. impossible. Yeah, it's not possible, <clears throat> and he does it, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is really beautiful, and I love this. Like, I think a lot of us can can relate to this idea of internalized negativity, right? People tell us for a really long time what we what we are and what we aren't. People people tell us who we are and sometimes you're able to get through that and not internalize that but most of the time it makes its way in and i relate make, to that a lot right and I relate it's to that a lot. it's really hard to unlearn that stuff on your own right like without any external like encouragement mm-hmm. you know if all if everything in your life is just continually perpetuating this idea that people have implanted in you you believe it. And so like for me, one of the things that I come away from this movie with the most is like the power in believing in the people around you. Like mm-hmm. like the power that you have in saying that, hey, I believe in you, what can that can do to other people, mm-hmm. right? And what's great about Zach is Zach is so innocent and wonderful and he's he's so open in that he believes in Tyler, even though Tyler is also – kind of internalized all this horrible stuff about himself because of all the mistakes that he's made in his life. And through interacting with Zach, who puts all his faith and love and trust in in Tyler without even knowing him, allows Tyler to to get out of his rut. And then Tyler's able to do the same thing for Zach. So it's like this, like, 
mutual belief in people that can like have such a profound effect on them, which I think is really, really beautiful. I really like how you said that. It's like, they're both just kind of without realizing it, like taking leaps of faith with how they interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And then they both catch each other in a really, really beautiful way that makes them better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Zach saves his life when he comes out with the gun. Mm-hmm. and yeah Tyler is such an interesting character because he's on the run his brother died he like can't make ends meet he's clearly suffering and struggling but in his suffering and struggling he for some reason he just naturally builds up Zach and that's unique you know usually when someone's at a low then they try to bring people down with them and it's so refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's it, and you know it's weird because at first he does like I wouldn't say tear Zach down necessarily, but he's not nice to Zach to start. You know? And, yeah, he's like I don't need extra baggage. Like yeah, right. he, I got my that's own the shit thing. To deal with yeah, he wouldn't be nice to anybody. Mm-hmm. It's not. It has nothing to do with Zach. It's just he's not in a place to be super nice to anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then um, I they become a family essentially. Like mm-hmm. sorry if I'm skipping too far ahead, but no, go for that's it. just another another layer to the movie is like mm-hmm. he even says like you choose your family, your family is the people that you choose. And when Saltwater Redneck rolls up in his car and like skids into the scene and saves the day and Zach leans over and is like He's like, get in, buddy. And Zach's like, can my family come too? Mm-hmm. And he's, it's crazy. And then obviously they end up together, but. That's one part of the movie that like, for me, didn't get enough development was the jump from just being like friendly with each other to like the really romantic. Like, I think we only got like <clears throat> a couple of scenes and then all of a sudden like, they're like, make like, he can just kiss her in the car and she's like down for that kind of thing. Yeah, that was a little quick. And yeah. she feels so quick. safe that like yeah. she can be handcuffed to the car. Yeah. That's, yeah. I would have freaked out. Another I Fifty Shades of Grey reference. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yes. <laughs> That's what I mean. So for me, like the movie did kind of like, like speed run that part of the development. But like if they would have just like been like, friends like even at the end of this is like hey we're we're just really close friends and we and we are really close friends with zach and we are just a family and there's mm-hmm. not like this romantic plot to it like i don't mm-hmm. think that had to be there right it's true. sweet but like I, you know pretty pretty people kissing is great we love that i also um, didn't understand not necessary though i didn't understand the convention at the end that they did with the like doctor coming in it's like this weird bait and switch like mm-hmm. oh he died and then, like, he didn't die. But, like... It's because it's because Zach gave him his three wishes. He gave yeah. him his wishes, birthday wishes. Okay, okay. That was a really sweet part, though. I loved that part when he I says that. I could give you all my yeah. birthday wishes. And he sees and, his brother. Yeah, and, and he's just, like... You just hear him start to sniffle a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was really sweet. I just don't think you needed the... I don't think you needed the doctor coming in and faking us out. That's for people like me. I'm serious. That's for the basic audience, like that just wants to feel something. And I just, I want the like back and forth and 
Yeah, it's cheap, but it, it works. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know though. I think, it I think there's a thematic there's a thematic in there that would make sense if he died. Like, you know, because he talks to Zach about, you know, why can't Zach's like, why can't we walk on the road? Why can't we drive? Why can't we do this? And he tells a story about when he was younger, how he hit a hornet's nest and got stung really bad. And his brother's like, you know, you keep hitting hornet's nests, you're going to get what, killed. What's up you know with what that I mean? guy? What's up with that character always playing the brother? I know. He's the, in Bear, he, yeah, too. Yeah, he's, he's the, the, he's the guy. He's, he's I the love the Bear. Oh, John Bernthal? Yeah, he's yeah. like Mr. Dead Brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Mr. Dead Brother. Oh, wait, they have a dead brother? John Barenthal. He looks John. great in a flashback. Yeah. yeah. He does look great in a flashback. He, he I, don't great, think yeah. he has, I don't even think he has a line in this movie. I don't think he ever No, he just thought. has like a gentle <laughs> smile and yeah. you're just like, oh. And he's always rough. You're like, that's yeah. a rough guy. That's yeah. Nice. Yeah. With a yeah, good heart. Yeah. Yeah. You look like you, yeah. <laughs> you look like a you look like a dead brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> He's oh, always. God. He was also in. Was he the Punisher? Yeah, he's the okay, Punisher. Yeah. That's where I've seen him too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, the, like I think there's a theme of like, for especially for Tyler, like Tyler is antagonistic. He he badgers people. He pokes people. He's very prickly. He's very rebellious. Reminds me of my brother a little bit in that way, where my brother is also like very anti-authority type stuff and will say things very that are very antagonistic to any type of authority. And I'm like, why? Why why be like that? Like, it's the implication, isn't it, that it's Tyler's fault that his brother's brother died? It is yeah. implied. He felt It's implied that he yeah. fell asleep while driving them home or that he, maybe he was even drunk a little bit. They didn't, it didn't seem like he was like super drunk, but he definitely fell asleep on the wheel. And that is what probably killed his brother. Probably. It's heavily implied. And it also makes sense why he's so angry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at himself. Like, he thinks he... I love that. Going back to that bonfire scene, when Zach asks, asks Tyler, are you the good guy? Are you a bad guy? I don't know. And Tyler says, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, his whole thing is, like, he, he kind of hates himself. He does not think he's a good person. He feels responsible for the death of his brother the loss of his his livelihood because once his brother died he couldn't afford to pay for the license to crab uh in the area so that he lost his business you know all his pain and suffering he's like it's my fault you know Mm -hmm. and so he he thinks of himself as a bad guy and that's Mm -hmm. also one of the reasons he does bad things Mm -hmm. you know he He's like, well, I'm a bad guy anyway. So that's one reason you love him. It's so much easier to love someone that's like self-deprecating than some like mm. egotistical asshole. Well, it's like a, a, a wounded dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you see a dog and it's aggressive and angry, but you look at it and you can just see that this dog's been just like been through hell. Mm-hmm. And so you can't can't fault that dog for for lashing out because it's scared and it's it's suffered a lot. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're like, you can't do that, dog. Like you can't do that because Get you in trouble, and you, you shouldn't know? date them and get into like really long term serious relationships with them either. That's that's fair. Talk, we should call it Dakota might seem Johnson. Really attractive. <laughs> <laughs> we should call Dakota Johnson and let her know. Oh, I could, I could, I'll let her know. <laughs> um, I the scene, the two scenes, the bonfire scene and the good guy bad guy scene, are the like the heavy hitters for me. Mm-hmm. 
like that's where like it gets down to the core of i think what what i think this movie's about you know and it's like belief in belief self right what we said like believing in yourself you know but like believe i think the line that really that's that, that tyler has that I, it stuck with me is when he's talking to um when he's talking to clint and he's like you know this kid believed in you and like it's really hard to believe in anything so it's like really special that this kid believed in you mm-hmm. 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 he's like can you just wave at him when he's at yeah. the door yeah yeah that's an, i mean that's one of these other things is that like clint is this like former celebrity celebrity um but like local celebrity at the minimum um who's who's also kind of lost his way he's lost his business has lost his popularity has lost his passion and love for the mm-hmm. world and then someone comes in and is like but he this kid this kid believes in you so hard he you wouldn't believe what we went through to get here mm-hmm. um and and that like again that brings out this hero this good guy in clint that, that I'm sure he's not felt in a very long time. And he, I think he even, like, it felt so good to him that he even goes a little bit too far. He's a little bit too excited to, like, be, like, feel good again. Mm-hmm. That he maybe, you know, gets, like, Tyler this fight when maybe he's probably not quite ready. You know, uh, a little bit overzealous because he just feels so good helping somebody for the first time in probably a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of, it's kind of... Thomas Hayden Church was great in this role, and like I said, this little small role that he did, he he played it so well. Like you can just see like how sad that guy is when you he opens the door, yeah. mm-hmm. and then like how happy he was to like get in the car, put on the paint, and go and like s- s- do donuts and pick these guys up and and teach this kid some wrestling for the first time in ten years. Mm-hmm. Like he seemed so happy, and that was like such a really fun moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I think. This movie just feels good. It feels good. It like it reminds you. It reminds you of like, like Seth said, like to look at yourself and just remind yourself that, that you know, despite all the things that go wrong in your life and the things that you've lost and the things that you may have done and the pain you may have caused, like there, if you continue to look and to find the good in you, you can find it and you can bring you can bring it back. You can bring it back. It's not gone. You can bring the good back. You can bring it out of other people. And we can, and then you can bring it out of other people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, Ricky, I, I'm sorry, but I'm like your brother. I'm like, I'm anti-establishment, anti-authority oh, yeah. when it's not even necessary. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like annoyingly anti-authority. I It's a long, probably because I was homeschooled and it's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other shit. But um, that's I think that's a huge theme in this movie. Like, the big mm. bad, the big bad nursing home, like they just mm-hmm. want to get, they want to get Zach and they want to just put him in the, in the home where he's clearly, it's not best for him to be in that particular type of home. Mm-hmm. And then like, even when, when he meets Eleanor for the first time, when Zach meets, sorry, when Tyler meets Eleanor in the gas station or that little store where he gets the handle of like moonshine or whatever the hell that is. And then she's like, I'm looking for this guy. Have you seen him? And she shows Tyler a picture of Zach. And he's like, no, no, no. And then Tyler goes out and Zach's like hiding in this tall corn. Mm-hmm. And he goes into the corn and he's just like, ha ha, you're a goddamn criminal <laughs> to, to Zach. And that's like another point where they really like 
unite because then it's like okay we're both on the run you know and and I don't know if that theme maybe is divisive like maybe some people wouldn't like that about this movie but Mm. I love it Hey, sorry to interrupt your favorite podcast, but I'm here to tell you about Shrimp and Crits, an actual play podcast with a southern twist. My name is Ian, and I am the keeper for this show as we play Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. If you like the sound of swampy monster mayhem, gators gone shopping, and magical fairy mischief, you will be right at home in the remote panhandle town of Gullicochica, Florida, where spooky danger has begun to wash ashore. Shrimp and Crits is the story of Sarah Payne the Mundane. All I'm asking for is answers. That's all I'm looking for is the truth. Ari Green the Searcher. You know the proclamations of the fame. I suggest you follow them from now on. And Ray Ray, the most mundane monstrous you will ever meet. Mr. Zeus, I'm a I'm a big fan. I, I knew you were I knew you were real. Um, and Ray Ray's just like bowing in front of this swan. As they fumble their way through protecting their skeptical town from mysterious evils. We release new episodes every other Monday on the podcatcher of your choice. Hope to see you soon in sunny Gullicochia. When you're really alive, I think you're free. When you're really living, you're you're free to you're you're just free. Mm-hmm. Like real life feels totally different than established life. Than established life. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> like like, I mean, not going to lie, I, I watched this last night and like, there's like, there's a gigantic part of me that could just grab my harmonica and walk out mm-hmm. of the door and, mm-hmm. and never, on the road, yeah. and never do, never do this again, like do yeah. life again. Um, but you're not supposed to do that. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I see, like. Where do you think with, that comes from, though, for you, Seth? Like, what, where, where do you feel like that's that is mo- being motivated because, from? I mean, we're, I mean, I don't. Am I the one that's got to fucking do the thing today, where I tell my emotions and and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Look, we. <laughs> You're the guest. You're supposed to be. <laughs> um, she shared up top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Give like her when, break. When I look out the window of Margot and I see Van Guy. Van Guy. And I see uh, you know, like the 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 there's like burners that set up their tents, you know, and they're like hanging out, not not they're not hurting anybody. They're just making the established society annoyed that yep. their life isn't there like they don't have to do the other things that we have to do. That's that's what it is. And, uh, and like, there's like a huge part of me that just like wants to like do that. Um, but it's dirty and hot and uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. and I'm very hairy guy. So I have to deal with like, you know, like what you need a shower and a shave. Yeah. I got a shower and shave. I gotta, I gotta, I, you know, I have to have a gold bond on, on the reg, you know, like, (laughs) But yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, but uh, yeah, like some of the best times of my life have been like, like when I was 21, 20, 
a buddy called me up and was like, Hey, uh, you're coming with me to Burning Man. We're driving. And I had $800 to my name. And I just got in a car and spent two months on the road, you know, and it was like the best, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I, like, it, I, I do want to mention like the, the scene with the, the, the moonshine or whatever, mm-hmm. where they're around the fire, you know, like there's something about that scene, like, even though they're drunk, like that's so primal mm-hmm. yeah, and like true and connected to what life actually is. You know, it's like complete wildness and freedom. And, um, and I, I resent, I resent established society because I think there is this complete lack of connection to what actually makes us human. A lot of the times, like, a lot of people would maybe, maybe, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to say things that people might think are bullshit, but um, I actually, as good as I am with words or people may think that I'm, or I think that I'm good with words. I don't know. That's a hard sentence for me to say, but uh, ironically. Ironic. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'm going to say is actually reinforcing that is that actually words are mostly bullshit and like, like, you know, on like some sort of emotional guttural level, what is actually going on most of the time. So, so it's like, we all put on these faces and we say these nice words to maintain society's structure and, and like stay within the rules and grounds of what you should and should not be doing in proper, like manners are so important, you know? And, uh, it's just, they're just not true, you know, like, like things just are way, way more different when you get down to like a emotional, guttural, spiritual level. That requires vulnerability. That requires, yeah. Mm -hmm. People hate, people don't like honesty. uh, Vulnerability is uncomfortable. It's really hard thing for most people. Yeah. And maybe because, I mean, I don't, it's hard. this, This is navigating this is difficult for me, but like, it's really hard for me to not be honest. Like, like, it's like, it is like a literal symptom of my own neurodiversity that it's hard for me to not be honest. And like, it, it completely shuts me down if I have to like hold in a lie. Yeah. And, um, or even just participate. By yeah. The bounds of yeah. And so society. like, I, 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 I relate a lot to both Zach and Tyler in this film um, because I'm very angry person um, secretly, you know, and uh, I don't want to be, but it's, it's because I see how much, how bullshit society is and you know, and I love people, but I hate society. And so it's like this weird thing where I'm just, I'm miserable a lot and uh, because I just, I feel like I'm holding in everything all the time. 
And, and so like, that's why I want to go join the burners because they're not holding, they're just being themselves. You know, they've now I'm sure there's, you know, they all have to have sex with the cult leader. So that's its own thing. <laughs> separate, separate so, issue. They, they have their own yeah. politics, you know, like mm-hmm. who, who gets two dabs of acid and who gets one. But, uh, but like, yeah. So like, I don't I mean, know. Actually, I was kind of going to say that, that there's kind of a hierarchical structures in, in everything. Even to those, even, yeah. Even the people who are outside of our currently established one, there's, there's, there's societal structures form themselves no matter what. I mean, and honestly, interestingly, uh, Eleanor even says this isn't Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Like, and the thing about that, that book is all about this idea of like, forming societies and and the arbitrary rules that people make like like a formation of of struct of hierarchical structure is near it's nearly impossible you know what i mean like if you look at humans humans across the board from where our, our a lot of our societies are structured now to even like remote tribes and 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 settlements that have no connection to the outside world mm-hmm. societal structure and hierarchies are always established mm-hmm so like even even in like the most primitive of settings um so i guess it's like you know i understand what you're saying but i think it's hard to avoid yeah no i understand what you're saying i felt the same way during that bonfire scene and just like watching them the way it's shot is so pretty and watching them walk through the it just looked a lot like Florida for part of it. And it made me miss home so much and miss like, I, I love it here. I think it's beautiful here. It's just not like the landscape that raised me. So I have a different relationship with it than I do with Florida, which feels like so wild and unhinged um, for worse or for better. But there it are just lizards all over to, the ground out there. Lizards are everywhere. There's a um, everywhere. It's crazy. They have, boa, uh, they have a boa constrictor problem in Florida. Boa constrictor. We don't have nearly as many ticks as you do here. Which I oh, think well, there you go. matters. <laughs> I'll trade um, a t- I'll trade a tick for a boa constrictor any fucking day. I can see a boa constrictor so, coming. Can you? <laughs> so what I'm saying is, I understand that feeling, and it made me like I I want to go on a road trip to like I don't know. Uh, there's a trail in Sanford that we used to camp along, like along and then along the econ, and I just miss that feeling a lot. But also, when you say that words are bullshit. I kind of get it, but I also love words. I think they're so, they can mask how you really feel and they are like a guard against vulnerability, but they're also kind of like such a key part in how I unmask. So Mm. it's, it's difficult for me to say that they're, I don't know. I think they're so vital. I know. I hear, I hear you like words I figured them out in the sense that like they're how I survived in my own they're they're they've been my survival skill, right? Like mm-hmm. like my ability to communicate verbally is like my strongest um uh, in, intelligence it's not actually it's actually a self-defense mechanism for my strongest intelligence center which is emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. So I have developed my verbal intelligence as a combatant to uh, protect my emotional vulnerability. Um, well, I think there's a there's this dichotomy of the way words work, where it's like 
words do have power. Words do have meaning. Words help us convey and communicate to each other. So they're important. And I think we see in this movie the words that Tyler says to, to Zach have a lot of power. And, and because they are so honest. But at the same time, Seth, I see what you're saying in that words can also be bullshit in that there is no amount of words you can use to, to, act, to fully and accurately describe how you feel. Right. There's like no amount you could. There's no amount of words you could string together to get to the precise, exact way that of what's going on in your internal life. It's just but not possible. Sometimes you can put words together in a certain way that does get to that in poetry and in you know. I think and, you can get close to. I think you can get close to conveying it to others, but even then, yeah. like yeah, there are other art about, forms that yeah yeah. I think though that like what this show is kind of in this essence exploring is this idea of like you can do your best to tell everybody what's going on with you to again put it into a form visual and and dialogue and even like cinematically to be like this is how I feel this is what I'm saying this is what's going on with me put it in front of people and them still interpret it differently so they're not ever going to quite get exactly what you feel right i think that's okay close yeah it's okay it's okay for sure but i can understand that it's like i i hear both an element i hear both what you're saying right i hear i i i agree with megan more that you you probably can get pretty damn close to your emotional conveyance but it doesn't matter if no one listens you know like like, like I hear you. I hear what you're saying, Ricky. Like it's it's difficult to like you can't know if you're actually totally accurately portraying your mm-hmm. your correct emotion or the emotion you're trying to convey. Mm-hmm. You can't know. You just have to take it on faith, I guess, that you're getting as close as possible. But I think I think what's cool about art and what's cool about what we're doing here is that like you you aren't an island right and so like by putting something out there you're giving it room to change you know like it it will be more than it will be more than just what you said it was you know It, it, it can evolve and like to me if i have a definition of hell it is the same forever like a closed system that cannot change like imagine not being able to grow as a person or experience new things stagnant you're completely frozen yeah and so like if you go ahead i'm sorry well i was just gonna say to your point i think you can and ricky a little bit of what you guys are saying about you can do your best to put something out there in any art form and people will interpret it however they're going to interpret it. And that's, that can lead to really incredible collaborations and and new ideas, but also when you put something out there and even if just like one other person, like a friend or a stranger or anything does see it for what you meant it to be, that's so powerful. And it's so much better than never putting anything out there or even trying. Um, it is the best feeling in the world when you have a unique idea and someone sees it for for like its uniqueness. Like yeah, it is but also like, like 
you can't put pressure. You can't like make anybody else see it. No. You know, or you could just paint it on really big walls. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You got a muralist who knows all about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> like yesterday, I was doing my show or whatever in the in, like upstairs loft. I was doing my show or whatever. Way to be so (laughs) deprecated to yourself. And oh my uh, gosh. And like I was just speaking into the void for 45 minutes. Like nobody was there. Mm -hmm. Um, which can be very like discouraging. Like, because you just hear yourself talking and then you like cringe at your own words. And like there's just no like you're just responding to your own emotional feedback. Mm -hmm. And as I was talking there was this couple that like walked by the room and like i was like hello (laughs) and they they ended up coming inside and like i started over and they started listening and they were fascinated like they were just like in it immediately and they they heard what i was saying and they like got it and i was and I, i only did like 10 minutes you know um but it's like, it's such a good feeling, like when they see what you're trying to do for for what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. I had the opposite happen to me this week too, which really like, it like hurt my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I like told my I told a teacher about what I was trying to do, and like they totally condescended me and like made me feel like I was like an idiot for like trying to do what I'm trying to do, which is like established comedic theory, you know, that's and a bad teacher. Yeah. It's a bad teacher. Well, yeah. Your coach fuck sucks. Your coach. Your co- yeah. Fuck your coach. That's yeah. a, and yeah, man, little did you know, Seth, there weren't two, there weren't two people in the, in the theater that day. <laughs> there were ghosts. That theater's um, been closed for 50 years. 50 years! <laughs> also, guys, I'm so sorry to do this. I have to drive my roommate to a doctor's appointment. Oh. Um, and she just let me know that it's 30 minutes away, so I have to hop off now. Okay. I'm so sorry. That's okay. It was Megan, so nice to, say bye to, nice the to meet you, too. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. All right, now we can get, like, real vulgar. <laughs> yeah, we were holding back for Megan. <laughs> Are you really? No. She, she does ground us. Okay. She does ground us. We she do does ground us. We can get a, a bit off the rails, but uh, but now we can just be like. But <laughs> to, to, so to go along with like the end of that story, Seth, like that's a bad teacher because a teacher's job is not to tell a student that they're necessarily that they're wrong. It's to understand understand where that student's coming from. And if you, it, you know, as a teacher or like I, I do a lot of like script feedback, like I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I think I have a really good understanding of, of story and structure and character. So I think I give really good feedback. And so, you know, and one of the things like I get a lot of really great responses from writers that I give feedback to because like I give really extensive, like I will write, write like 5,000 words worth of notes for, mm-hmm. for a script for someone I don't even know. That's a lot. That's a lot of that's a lot of words, um, and people will come back and be like, "This was way more extensive than I thought." Because usually I don't get this type of feedback, and I don't sugarcoat it. Like I don't I don't hold back when I think something's not good. But what I'm really really good at is by being like, "Hey, like this isn't working. 
but I see what you're trying to do. And so these are some ways that you might be able to like get there better, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what a good teacher does, right? A good teacher doesn't say, no, that's wrong. Do it yeah. this way. Or do it, it, no, do it what the way everybody does it. Like, let me help you figure out or give you some ideas of how you can find how to get to what you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, w- the way this went down, like, it wasn't exactly being told I was wrong. Mm. It was just, like, not giving me, like, like, not seeing that I wanted this person to, like, I was trying to make this person see that, hey, this is a really cool thing I'm working on. I want you mm-hmm. to, like, check it out. And I think you would think it's cool, mm-hmm. you know. And instead of, like, being open to that, they were, like, very skeptical and, like, kind of, like, oh, this is a far-fetched idea that you clearly haven't thought through. And then I tried to, like, come back. And you're like, I, I've been thinking about this I was like, thing this, for years. I've been thinking about this thing for five years, man. Like, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about here. And it was just, like... It just, it was very like I was treated like a child or mm-hmm. like a, like a, like a boy who had no idea what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it was very discouraging. Like it was like, cause I like, I respect this person, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you want me to kick his ass? no, it's, it's cool. It's cool. I mean, I, I'll get over it, but it, it was like a, a, in some ways, like a shattering of my image of this person. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, oh, okay. All right, well, all right, and like it's it's always worse when like someone's younger than you, and that crap happens because it's like I'm getting to the point now where where my teachers are are younger than younger me, than you. and I'm like, this is like weird to be told by a 26 year old that yeah, what do you know, kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're so, teaching me. Let me teach yeah. you something. <laughs> I mean, I invented comedy after all. Mm-hmm. You did. Um, absolutely. And for me, this movie, where this movie hits me the most is in this like idea of like the internalization that you suck. Yeah. Is, is what Zach feels. Zach has no family. He's lost his family. He's just thrown into this nursing home because the, the, the state's like, fuck, we don't know what to do with this guy. Just put him somewhere, throw him into this nursing home. And like he, like he said, he's like, I'm not old. I'm young. I'm only 22 years old. I should not be here with all these, no offense to all these wonderful people. You know, he seems to like them. Carl, you're invited to my birthday party. <laughs> you know, uh, he seems to like them. It's just, he's like, but he's like, but I don't belong here. And everybody's like, no, but, but we just don't know what to do with you. So you're, you don't matter. So like, you just have to stay here. And then, and then later we find out that they're going to try and put him in like a, like a, like a psych ward of some sort, you know, like a higher security kind of like uh rehab facility mm-hmm. and it's like because they just don't care it's like dude you're we don't really care about you it's as long as you're not like out homeless it's our job to like just make sure you're not dead mm-hmm. and other than that we don't care and the internalization of him feeling like he is a is a bad guy you know is 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 detrimental to the world um hurts me because he's so clearly not and i love that tyler like calls that out he's like no not at all not even a little bit. And Makes me wonder how Shia LaBeouf feels watching this movie now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I bet, I mean, this movie has to be monumental for him. 
I at, wonder if he He says this is one of his favorite movies that he's ever done. Oh, okay. Well, not I'm just saying like as now is like like this is weird maybe, but my Facebook always like will put things from my past, mm-hmm. like you know, memories or whatever. But like my Facebook page is kind of my am I spitting on you? No. Oh. Uh, my Facebook page is kind of like my notebook in a lot of ways, like where I write like phrases and things and I used to do these things musings musings and so like sometimes my Facebook will put up a thing that I wrote like 10 years ago Mm -hmm. that's like so powerfully relevant to teach me something today today. Mm -hmm. and so like I wonder like Shia LaBeouf is a very controversial person right now why he uh assaulted his uh, wife or not wife his partner right his partner I'm not yeah. sure if they were married or, or engaged or what they, there's a there's a lot of weird stuff going on about like his behavior towards towards women yeah. mostly like domestic abuse type stuff mm-hmm. yeah and uh, I mean like when I was in LA like Shia, it was known that Shia LaBeouf had a temper and like would do crazy shit like yeah. show up at a bowling alley and like throw bowling balls and for stuff. sure yeah child actor I mean yeah and so, He's pretty messed up, yeah. Yeah, but I bet, I bet, like, I bet he knew and felt like he was doing something very good in this film, and so mm-hmm. like, it's probably really interesting for him to like watch this movie and hear some of the lines and the dialogue with where he's at in his life now. Well, he probably doesn't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the movie about his dad? Like, Honey Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Honey Boy. Yeah. Honey Boy. Yeah. I think that's like you know it's supposed to be mm-hmm. kind of somewhat accurate, right, of his childhood and yeah, it's supposed to be pretty close. Yeah, so it's it's not surprising to me at all that he has like mental and emotional. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's not excusable, but it's also yeah. it's hard because we all benefit from it. We all are entertained and watch. He's he's a phenomenal actor. He's, he's fucking a great incredible. Actor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard to like watch his stuff sometimes and know like how much he struggles with a lot of anger uh-huh. and substance abuse issues and all, all the stuff that he goes through. Cause like, it's like, you know, it's this thing we we're going through in our current society of like, of like celebrity culture of like, uh-huh. we learn, you know, we talked about it last week with like the Jonah Hill stuff. Like it's so hard to appreciate these, these people's work after you learn something really horrible about them. What happened with Jonah Hill? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> shit. Oh, no. We'll talk about it after the show. Okay. <laughs> I actually try not to look into this stuff because then it's, you can't. It's really play. hard. It's yeah. And it, I even I was uh, when I was on the picket line with my roommate Justin yesterday, He, you know, we were talking about that. And the fact that, you know, we're literally surrounded by Hollywood at that moment. We were literally mm-hmm. surrounded by all these people actors and writers and stuff and mm-hmm. so he's like where do we stand on separation of like artists and, and art mm-hmm. and i don't think there's a right answer i don't think there's a you know i think it's tough it's you know it's really hard to to to, to be able to do that and but it makes it even harder when that person's so good at what they do like i know it's that like this is a particular one for you for like louis ck stuff like i know you love louis ck's body of work mm-hmm. yeah. I think he's one of the best comedians to ever do it mm-hmm. and yet what he did is pretty, pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but I think about this a lot and how, like, I feel responsible. It's a whole mm. fucking system. It's not right. just 
like I was on TV for two years and I could feel myself like becoming dirty. Like mm-hmm. they pump it into you and they pump it into you because they need you to want the attention. They mm-hmm. need you to want to feel like a God because they need the like masses in the fucking flyover states to treat you like you're a God because mm-hmm. they need them to watch it because they need the advertisers to pay. It's all a whole yeah. gnarly system. And the peop- the actors are just one small piece of it and they Mm. end up fucked up and doing weird shit because the whole thing's weird yeah michael Sarah actually just came out with like an an interview where he was talking about how he became a superstar overnight like he had juno and super bad come out like bang bang and he all of a sudden at 19 years old he's like one of the hottest names in in hollywood and he's like i was not emotionally prepared for that oh and you have agents and managers and producers mm -hmm. i mean i know you guys know this but like they're over the age of 45. They're grown ass mm. adults, but yeah. they're toting you around and telling you like that you're amazing and that, and they're just buying you shit, yeah. giving you stuff. Like girls are sending you nudes. It's a whole mm. crazy thing for a young person to yeah. handle. And they're, who's out there, who's out there like assisting these young actors? Like mm-hmm. where's the therapist on set? Exactly. Like, you know, yeah. the, the, the adults that should know better, that should know mm-hmm. how to help like carry these people through the system. I don't know. I, that yeah. would be a, well, it's, it's so true. And like Mike, that's what Mike Sarah was like, look, like I was not emotionally prepared for that at 19. And he's like in Hollywood. And like you said, like all the people that surround you, not just fans, but like the industry and, and the people who are making money off of you foster an environment that fucks you up. That encourages you to do fucked up things, mm-hmm. to look at yourself in a particular way, to give yourself self-importance. But you need to and, seem, but you need to also seem squeaky clean and perfect, mm-hmm. right? To the eye. He's like, Michael says, like, he's like, I don't know if I would do it again. Like, he's like, I don't know if I would go through and be and be a famous person mm-hmm. again. He's like, yeah, because he's like, on the other side of this, I realize how messed up it's made me. Mm-hmm. And I think with Shia LaBeouf, like you said, I think this movie probably has a lot of resonance for him because like he said like am i a good guy or a bad guy mm-hmm. and like at what point do you stop seeing the good in yourself and for me i grew up i've talked about this a bunch of times in the show but i grew up in for for rachel i grew up in like rural illinois mm-hmm. i'm mixed race latino and white but even in like a rural illinois area if you're any kind of thing other than white you're immediately different from everybody else and Mm -hmm. they let you know that immediately Mm -hmm. i grew up being called mexican and wetback and other racial slurs constantly constantly and that's from like from the from the moment that my peers learned that what those words meant Mm -hmm. in their context i was being called those things Mm -hmm. and being put down for being so right i was a, a second class citizen to them Mm-hmm. because just because i was mixed race um it gets to you it's, it's something that i struggle with to this day about like my like self-worth issues my self-confidence issues self-value those things are all internalized and they're things that i have to like unlearn but it's really hard to do mm-hmm. it's probably one of the reasons why i want to be an actor or at least like be somebody who gets who puts out a piece of material and wants people to praise it mm-hmm. right like, I want people – I want to entertain people for sure. Like, I love to make people laugh. I love to make people feel. I love to connect with people. 
but like there's like a, a validation in that ability to do that mm-hmm. that gives me that thing that I'm missing, which is like I don't necessarily I can't generate the self value from myself. So I need I need little bits of people being like, oh, you're talented. Oh, you're so good. You're so funny. Mm-hmm. You're, so, you're such a great actor. You made me cry in that scene. Stuff like I need that because I can't do it for myself mm-hmm. necessarily all the time. It, it's a it's a roller coaster. Sometimes you can't. So that for me, like this movie is is like these characters wouldn't be able to do it themselves. They needed mm-hmm. each other, and mm-hmm. so you need that support system of people who do build you up. Mm-hmm. It's, but you also have to find the fire within yourself to use your fire to warm somebody else's fire. And then maybe that fire, their fire will help your fire grow too. You exactly. Know? Like, like you got to You got to keep your fire lit, but it's mm-hmm. not just for you. It's for other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, yeah. You know, uh, Rachel, I definitely want to give you some time. Cause I know this, you picked this movie in for very personal reasons. I definitely want to give you some time to go through um, the personal connections. I know you said that Tyler reminds you so much of your brother. And at the first time you saw this movie, you, you just liked it and you didn't know why. And then now, having watched it years later, and obviously with the passing of your brother, you were able to like have this revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and some of the things that you see in Tyler that you recognize from your own life and in your brother and then maybe in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If well, you're comfortable. Yeah, I am for sure. Um, so I wrote down a few words to spark my memory. I wrote down vulnerability, direct communication, capability, hope, possibility, and realistic. I think that my brother, um, he, it was weird. He was always, kind of rough with me and like harsh Mm -hmm. but it was in the most like encouraging safe way possible so just examples would be I remember so I was so scared to sleep at night I was always afraid of like people breaking in or this or that you know when I was probably seven eight nine ten and my brother you know initially it's like shut up go to bed like be quiet sis like be quiet like don't be a wimp but then eventually like pretty quickly he'd be like what are you what are you even scared of why are you crying and I'm like well what if somebody breaks in and like blah and then he would take the time to be like who's gonna break in we're in the suburbs nobody's trying to get you why would someone want to get you what are they breaking in for what do they want to get and he would like help me in a mm-hmm. kind of a tough way like get to the bottom of it like what are you struggling with well all right let's let's deal with it. Like, let's fucking talk about it and deal with it and, and move on. And it always, it always worked. Then I, I realized like, oh yeah, I'm in a middle upper class, like neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Nobody's trying to, he's like, are you in a gang? Like, are any of your friends in a gang? Like nobody's going to break in here. And then, or like roller coasters, we would be at, I remember we were at like six flags and I wouldn't go on the ones that go upside down. Like none of the ones with the loops. And He's like, come on, sis. Like, what What the heck? Don't be a wimp. And I'm like, no, I, I can't do the upside down one. And he's like, why? What are you afraid of? I'm like, I could literally fall, like, fall out. And he's like, no. And I'm like, yes, huh? Look at look how skinny I am because I was tiny. <laughs> and I was like, look at the straps. I swear I could, I could squeeze through that. And he's like, oh, yeah, you could squeeze through that. That's actually a good point. And he's like, well, let me show you something. And he takes a cup of Coke and he just spins it 
like this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, centrifugal force. You're not going to fall out. What's in there stays inside because you're going so fast. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, that makes sense. And I, you know, was able to ride the roller coaster after that. Like, I just have endless stories of him. Or even, like, we would play hide and seek. I think it was sardines. It's where you, like, hide and whatever. It's a hiding game. And we you hide in, like, down. really tight places? You hide and with other people. When people find you, they oh. hide with you. So we're kind of playing sardines on this podcast. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And then the last person is like, where is everyone? And then they find like all five people hiding together. Love it. Um, so we were playing that and I found my brother and he was in the deep freezer. We had a deep freezer. In the oh, Jesus. Yikes. Yeah. And I'm like, shit. And he's like, get in here. And I'm like, don't these lock sometimes? And he's like, yeah, I'm not a dumbass. And he had like taped the lock or whatever. So it wouldn't lock. <laughs> and he's like, get in here. I'm like, all right. So I get in there and I was probably like 10 and I'm like shivering, holding and he just like doesn't say anything and he's just like takes off his hoodie, puts it on me and I'm like, oh, thanks. And then I'm like still shivering and then I was wearing socks and shoes and he takes off his socks and puts them on my hands and then he like just slowly, like not saying anything, just like putting pieces of clothing on me, but like I'm not allowed to leave. Like, don't you get out of this fucking freezer and give up our spot. Like, but he's still like taking care of me at the same time, you know? So anyway, he just, I don't know, something about shia's character in that movie and in general i think his characters tend to be a little bit like that like very very like the bottom line is that he he cares like tyler cares about zach that's the bottom Mm -hmm. line and he cares about people he's a caring person he's a good loving caring person but He's rough around the edges. He's anti-establishment. He's fucked up his life. He's made some weird choices. Like, not weird choices. He's made some some bad choices. And, yeah, my brother, I won't go too far in, but he's just the perfect example of someone that had... I mean, there's a reason addicts are always portrayed a certain way. Mm. And whether Tyler was an addict in this movie, they did refer to alcohol a couple times. Mm. And they always, they, there's a reason in movies they're portrayed as like having a huge heart, life of the party, funny, like interesting. Mm. Yes. They don't really live by the bounds of society, but at the same time, like they have made some choices that have put them in really precarious positions Mm -hmm. that can be hurtful to themselves and can be hurtful to the people around them. Um, so I think, yeah, that, and there was a lot of other crossover. Like I used to take care of a woman that had a stroke when she was 30. I took care of her for like two years, Mm -hmm. um, full time. And she functioned at like the level of like a five-year-old, but we had the tightest bond. I mean, we spent all day, every day together and she kept like, she had a bunch of caregivers before me and she kept firing them. And she like specifically asked her husband to have me do it. And like, we never, we never had any problems in two years. We never had a problem because like we were at the grocery store and her husband was like, I need you guys to pick up five liters of soda for this Bible study or whatever. Mm -hmm. And his wife that had had the stroke, Mindy, she's like putting the liters in the, in the shopping cart. And she put like, she put like five and then six and then seven. And I was like, Hey, Mindy, I think Kevin said we just need five of those. And she's like, no, 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 more, more, so much, so much, so much. And I was like, 
I'm not picking this battle. Like what? 20, <laughs> 20 extra, $25. Like mm-hmm. Kevin's going to have to spend like an extra, maybe 30 bucks. We're going to go home. We went home with like 20 liters of Coke. <laughs> so much. And I'm just like, yeah, Mindy, do it. Like do it. You think we need that much? Put it in the car. Let's fucking get it. Like, mm-hmm. because she needed that. She needed to feel like she had some semblance of control. Like, Anyway, there was so many different things. I think that mo- this movie, The Peanut Butter Falcon, does a good job of touching on, you know, you because you have his Down syndrome stuff, then she's a caregiver and a nurse, then he's, like, running and on the run. His brother died. There's so many different things happening, and I guess that's mm-hmm. what makes a good movie, right? Because whether you can relate to one thing or 20 things, but I just happen to be able to relate to so many of them. Like, mm-hmm. And also his engineering skills, like, Shia LaBeouf is just like casually building a raft and it ends up mm-hmm. looking dope as hell. And like, yeah, that's a good that, raft. That's how my brother was just could just whip it up like so fast. Oh, you need, I remember I wanted to make my ex-husband a gift and I was like, I want to make him like a cigar. My brother and I both got our degree in industrial design. So like mm-hmm. basically building stuff out of wood mostly. And I was like, I want to make him a cigar holder. And he, he like let me do it, but he did it, you know, and <laughs> it ended up so sick. It like had his name engraved in it. And there was this whole, and I gave it to him for Christmas. And he, my ex-husband was like, this is, you made this? And I was like, I mean, kind of. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I I think something that you're, you're hitting on that, that I, I definitely, I feel my family too, um, is like a gruff roughness to vulnerability. Uh-huh. Like their vulnerability comes out as anger. Uh-huh. Like, what you what what you upset for? Yeah. Well, why are you scared? Let me tell you why you should be scared. It comes out like you said. The care comes out like angry. Uh-huh. But like, there's a weird like like you said. There is like a weird comfort in that. It's uh-huh. like, oh, you're gonna make me be vulnerable right now. Fine. Okay. Let me tell you why you're uh-huh. fine. Uh-huh. I'm telling tell you why I'm gonna take care of you. And like, Tyler does have that. Like. You know, who said that? Who said that to you? Who told you you couldn't be a he- you couldn't be a hero? Mm-hmm. That's stupid. <laughs> that mm-hmm. fuck that guy. Exactly. It yeah, is, that's it, how. Oh yeah, and that's yeah, that's that kind of thing where it's like I can talk mm-hmm. shit to you, but nobody else can. Right. Like that's how my brother was. Like he would tease me and stuff. And but the thing is, even when he was teasing me, I swear he was doing it from a place of like mm-hmm. I'm gonna teach you how to take care of yourself. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. teach you. How to, and that's not always true. Don't get me wrong. Like there mm-hmm. are just straight up bullies out there. There are just big brothers that are bad big brothers. But like my big brother was genuinely trying to like teach me and educate me and build me up to be somebody strong and capable and independent because he knew what mm-hmm. kind of guys are out there and the kind of guys that I was going to come across. And I mean, till the day he died, I would call him every every time I had something going on with the dude and he'd be like, oh, well, this is all right. This is what's happening. This, he's thinking this, this is why he's doing this. Like, and this is, and he was like harsh about it. And it was, but it, I like always had so much control and still do in my dating relationships because I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, I know, I know what he's thinking. Like, I know why they're doing that, you know? Exactly. So. And, and the, we see this, this really good moment with Tyler when they're right, right about when Zach's about to do his, his match and mm-hmm. he's scared. Right. And what is Tyler sitting there in person? Don't, don't you don't fucking do, that. do this. Don't do don't, this. Like, don't fucking do this right now. We all the shit that we've been through. No, uh, uh-uh. uh. 
Hell no. You're not well, like, like you're not chickening saying, out now. And he's saying don't let your mind go there. Don't right. even start. Yeah. Like right. Don't I'm start second-guessing yourself. I'm going to yeah. need somebody to do that for me soon. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there, buddy. What 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 you will? I'm trying. Cool. Come on. Well, the the thing I like so much about that scene is you're finally seeing uh, Zach realize that his dreams are not necessarily what they he wants them to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like Zach's learning the truth of oh, a lot of this wrestling stuff's fake, and then like when it is real, I don't really like it. Mm-hmm. You know, like so. Yeah. And what they do like is being together. Just like mm-hmm. I think that's. I know I keep coming back to that, but even Seth, when you were talking earlier about like grabbing your harmonica and going, I think one thing that you're feeling and craving and yearning for is like-minded people. It's not so much about like being on the road or being a gypsy or not having to conform to the norms because like Ricky said, there's always going to be a structure. There's always going to be a hierarchy no matter where you end up, but to be with people who under who see you, hear you understand you and like support you that's all you need you just need a few people that you're like oh i'm not like they get that i think outside the box they get that i don't want to conform they get what i'm saying when i'm speaking and that's i think what the movie's trying to portray at the end when they're in the car and like i said i'm a sucker for that stuff so i'm like yes Oh God, I would have been so mad if he died. Like, I'm so yeah. glad he's, we get enough of that in real life. Right. Like, yeah, my brother's gone. Like, I don't want to watch that. I want to watch, I want to fucking mm. watch someone make it in his face. Oh, I saw my brother fucked up so many times. Just one time he showed up to sh- church and he had a hole through his lip because he got like punched and my dad just, you know, like shook his head and was like, well, Thanks for showing up to church, at least, you know, <laughs> and Shia's in the back seat or Tyler's in the back seat and his face is just all crazy swollen. And like, I'm like, all right, yes, they're together. They're doing mm-hmm. the thing. Like, that's what you want to see in a movie. At least I right. do. And, that, and I love that. Like, I feel like Tyler, this, like you said, being seen. I feel like Tyler knows that even though this Zach, after this, this experience, Zach may never want to wrestle again. That's not what it's about. Right, that's not what this moment is. This because if Zach walked away from this moment and having not done it, it's gonna make him retreat right back to where he started. And I think yeah. Tyler knows that. It's like, look, this you know after this moment, mm-hmm. you never have to do this again. But right now, you need to do this. You need mm-hmm. to know that you can do this. So that way, the next time these because like our lives are not perfect trajectories. Like they don't they don't just like grow up and just keep going and getting better mm-hmm. we have ebbs and flows we go we improve and then we have setbacks and we mm-hmm. improve and then we have setbacks and it's never it's not a straight line and i think tyler knows like you need to know that you can get back there because because exactly. down the road you're gonna have those same feelings of i'm not good enough mm-hmm. i can't do this i'm not capable enough and you mm-hmm. need to look back and be like but i did it once it's like the roller coaster and i, I can do it again I still right. hate roller coasters. I don't go on them. They make me dizzy. I do kind of think they're sketchy. Like, I don't know who <laughs> built the thing. Like, but, and why? Like, why did a, why did a 12-year-old kid take the time to explain centrifugal force to his little sister? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same with Tyler. Like, what? why is he taking the time to help this guy, like, 
realize that he's that he's stronger than he has been mm-hmm. told by everybody else you know exactly because it's so great when someone does it for you it's meaning mm-hmm. it gives life yeah. meaning yeah. yeah exactly and one more thing that i just want to touch on because it was so weird because like so blind jasper that's the character's name by the way i'm not just calling him blind jasper. <laughs> okay <laughs> that's what they he's credited as yeah. blind jasper he has that speech about wolves and sheep my family that's like my family's like favorite phrase like motto okay that the world is full of two types of people wolves and sheep my dad says this to me all the time and you know the thing about wolves is wolves eat the sheep right and so like my whole family's like you need to be a wolf mm-hmm. you need to be a wolf and i and something that i like that blind jasper is like i just see two fleece you know two guys and in, in fleeces mm-hmm. that just need to get back to their flock and get mm-hmm. back to the shepherd mm-hmm. and like I don't know it's it was really, it was really weird because like I said my family says that exact phrase all the time the wolves mm-hmm. and sheep. I even wrote a play called Wolves and Sheep in college because based on my like family's motto. Mm-hmm. I know, noticed so that was, too. I liked that he called them sheep. They're sheep, yeah. And you know, not necessarily a bad thing to be a sheep. Not mm-hmm. always, you know. But uh, yeah, as long as you find your flock and find your flock exactly. Um, before we end, is there anything else that you either you really want to touch on before we? Uh, before we end our conversation today? Um, I forgot to say how much I love the sound- soundtrack. It's really good. Yeah. Bluesy, bluegrass, folk. Mm-hmm. It's all great stuff. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Seth? Anything else you want to share? All no. right. Awesome. No. All right. Well, then I think that concludes our discussion of the Peanut Butter Falcon. Rachel, thank you so much for bringing it to us uh, today. Uh, let's do our shout outs. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about what's next. So, uh, Rachel, go ahead and shout yourself out. Where can people find you? What are you working on? Okay. Um, what's your social medias and such? Okay. My social media is Murals by Loba, L-O-B-A. Um, my tag on my walls is Loba, which means Mama Wolf, because my son's name is Wolf. And that's where you can find me right now. I'm working on a huge wall in downtown Nashville that I'm really excited about on a homeless shelter that um, has been donated by somebody um, for me to paint. And I'm actually going to paint my brother. I'm going to sneak him in there so he'll be on the wall too. Hell yeah. Go check out Rachel's work and check out her pages where you can find her. Seth, where can people find you? Well, I was going to do Megan's for her first. I was going to say, I was actually actually just pulling up Megan's, but you can go ahead and do it. Okay. Um, so you can find me on <laughs> Megan underscore Jane 61 on Instagram. And that's M-E-A-G-H-A-N underscore Jane, J-A-N-E 61. And you can also find some of my writings at Sometimes Songs. That sounded like it. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you had to look it up just like her. <laughs> uh, Seth, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at Seth Adam Crow on Instagram. That's S-E-T-H-A-D-A-M-C-R-O-W-E. Or you can find me at The Birdie Word on Twitter. That's T-H-E-B-I-R-D-Y-W-O-R-D. And you can find me on my website, SethCrow.com. Uh, and that's Crow always with an E. Awesome. And I am Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Blade Diaz on TikTok. And Instagram, and you can find this show, the What's About Film Podcast, uh, on Instagram at What's About Podcast, and on TikTok at What's About Pod. And you can find new episodes of the show every Friday morning wherever you can find podcasts: Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, Amazon Music, 
Uh, you can find us there every Friday morning. Uh, it's time to talk about what's next. And we have a very special uh, announcement about what's next. We have our very first fan request. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a, a listener reach out to our uh, None of us know. It's a random person. Random well, person. I mean, you're not yeah. random. We appreciate you. You have significance. But we don't, none of us know this person. Yeah, it's not like your yes. mom's friends. Yeah. Kid right. Yes, it's a person who found us who had no connection to us. And we're very honored and excited that they would reach out to us and uh, enjoy our show and want to hear us discuss a movie that they love. So uh, this is a shout out to uh, Nicole Marie Loftus. Um, Nicole wants us to talk about one of their favorite movies, which is Ever After, the 1998 mm. romantic comedy starring mm. Drew Barrymore. Um, so we're going to be watching Ever After next week as our very first fan request. Sweet. Um, if thank you, you Nicole. Anybody at home, yes, thank you, Nicole. If any of you at home want to watch along with us, you can catch Ever After streaming on Disney+, Plus, the Roku channel, uh, with subscriptions. And you can also rent it on YouTube, Google Play Movies and TV, Apple TV, Vudu, and Amazon Prime. Uh, so if any of you all are watching along, that's where you can find Ever After. Um, and thank you all for listening to our discussion of the Peanut Butter Falcon. And again, thank you once again to Rachel for joining us. Hopefully, we can have Rachel come on again another time very soon. She's always invited back whenever she wants to be back. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, everybody. We will talk to you again next time. Bye. Adios. Arrivederci. Bye. <laughs>